This is Startup Renegades, a raw conversation with founders, entrepreneurs, and the unicorns among us who have taken their idea and turned it into a thriving, profitable brand. I'm your host, Shauna Armitage, and my work as a fractional marketing director has led me to connect with dozens and dozens of founders in all stages of their startup journeys. Whether they're bootstrapping or fundraising or have capital on hand, there's one big question founders always ask, how do I grow this thing? On Startup Renegades, we'll explore how they did it, and you'll walk away with actionable steps you can take on your own journey to scalable growth. Hey, Startup Renegades, welcome back. Today, I want to introduce you to Leisha Bell. She's the co-founder of BLX VC, an angel syndicate of moms funding black and brown founders. She's also the co-founder of the Women of Color Capital Collective, a women of color-led group ensuring equitable distribution of capital for women of color. She is also the host of Sisters with Ventures podcast, which aims to tell the stories of women in VC, and she's a deal flow lead for Pipeline Angels. She also serves as the board chair for Black Girl Ventures. Alicia brings over 20 years of demonstrated technology, innovation focused on digital money movement solutions. Her career was focused on building and investing in products that serve community needs to bridge the capital divide. She's currently at PayPal Ventures, where she leads the Economic Opportunity Fund, the $100 million investment into emerging fund managers. Now, she has so much going on in addition to balancing motherhood. She's got some amazing degrees and just, I mean, her resume is just amazing. And today we really talked about the current situation in venture capital. What is happening for, you know, underrepresented founders, why they're not getting funding, why a lot of funding has dried up in VC, and what we need to do about it as founders, how we're going to approach this. This episode was so enlightening, so many golden nuggets in here, and I'm going to share it with you right now. So let's dive right in and let's hear all about it from the woman herself. This is Leisha Bell of BLX VC. Hey, Leisha, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm so excited to have you here. I love talking to investors about everything that comes up on your side of the table. And I think it's so important for founders to hear. So let's start at the very beginning. What did you want to be when you grew up? A Laker girl. A what? A Laker girl, Los Angeles Laker girl. Oh my gosh. I thought you said a Lego girl. And I was like, is that a job? Like, that's cool. But no, Laker girl. That's awesome. That is awesome. All right. So where did your career path take you? So it got me kind of close. Turns out when I went to college, I became a Trojan Dance Force member who was founded by a Laker girl because I still had this dream even while I was in college that I would go dance. And then I found out they didn't make any money. It was like $50 a game. And I was like, how am I going to live off of that? And so I knew I had to stick to studying business and pursue my degree in technology. (laughs) That would be a better career path for me. That makes sense. What was it about business and technology that interests you? So I am an AOL kid and I grew up on dial-up and in chat rooms. And like my Mm -hmm. whole life was like this really cool exposure to like Oregon Trail, Atari, Nintendo. And so I was like a little 
gamer at the time. And I was just always yeah. fascinated by technology and the creativeness of it. Yeah. Oh my God. Oregon Trail. <laughs> that was amazing. They have the like board game version now, but it's just, it's not the same. It just doesn't pack the same punch, but anyway, off topic. All right. So you went to college. What was like the first job you got? Like talk to me a little bit about your career trajectory. Yeah. So I was studying in one of my computer science classes and my professor said, Hey, if you're going to work for a startup, you should work for a bank because they'll still be around. I came out mm-hmm. during the dot-com boomer bust, however you look at that area. And I went to work for a big bank and I got to launch online banking and bill pay. And it was actually pretty exciting. Yeah. That was my first jump start into really kind of financial fintech uh, segment. Okay. All right. So how do you make the jump, right? Like where in your career do you go from financial fintech to becoming a VC yourself? Yeah. Well, I think I'm grateful to tech that I got to make the money to become Mm -hmm. an investor. So tech was a big wealth building vehicle for me. Right. And VC wouldn't allow me in. (laughs) And so I had to like write my own checks to get in, which is how it is. Hold on. Tell me about that. Because there's a story behind here. It wasn't like you just knocked on VC and you're like, hey, I want to play. And they're like, no, sorry. Where were you wanting to start with VC and why do you think you were missing those opportunities? Yeah. So girl, I mean, I spent my working career in Silicon Valley, so I was very aware of VC and I just didn't know how to play. So I'm like, well, I went back to business school. So I went back to business school to the top schools and I studied private equity and M&A and I saw nobody who looked like me doing VC. Mm-hmm. And then I got out of school and I was like, well, maybe I should apply for some jobs. And, you know, I was like, well, you're not really qualified because you're essentially not an investment banker. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but I think there's different roles in venture that I could do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the door kept closing. And so till I started writing my own checks and like created my own way, then I got the phone calls, but by then I already had so many job offers in VC, but that took like five years. <laughs> okay. So did you, were you starting with angel investing or you said started writing checks? Yes. How did you get into it without being in an actual venture capital firm to start issuing those checks? Yeah. So I joined an angel investing group mm-hmm. called Pipeline Angels that focused on women and BIPOC fems and- you know, we had pitch competitions, we selected our own founder, got to do our own due diligence. And so I became pretty enthralled in that process. And I became yeah. a, a deal flow lead. So I was looking at all the deals and raising capital and really becoming a really good fundraiser, which I learned is really important in VC. That's a good skill mm-hmm. set. And so once I started doing that, I was like, I could do this myself, actually. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can find founders, I can scale. And because I'm a technologist at heart, I'm a product, I was a product manager for over 10 years. You know, I'm like, I can play this game too. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So what about those early experiences made you just know that this was something you could do? Did you pick a couple of winners? Was there something about your insights that were on point? What do you think? So I realized early on, that I was uniquely positioned. 
And it was opposite of what people told me I couldn't do. So I was mm-hmm. unique in the position, one, because I was technical. Two, I had an MBA, so I had business skill set. And three, I actually live in Silicon Valley and had access to really many powerful people in venture. Mm-hmm. And so when I meet particularly marginalized founders that don't have those privileges, I'm super valuable to people. Because mm-hmm. I can connect them with capital, connect them with talent. I can help them scale their business. Like I became a really strong utility for kind of demographic, which I represent, which is BIPOC women Mm -hmm. and became really useful. So that's when I'm like, you know, this is a game that I want to play. I love that. So where did you go? You know, you've had this amazing light bulb moment. Where did you go from there? Yeah. So a few things happened. George Floyd happened in 2020 and we had racial and and civil unrest. Mm-hmm. And I got to launch in my day job, a hundred million dollar fund focused on black and brown fund managers. So it's called the Economic Opportunity Fund, which is a fund that I manage supporting really cap access and giving capital away so that we can build these communities. And I launched BLXVC, which stands for Black and Latinx. And that's an angel invested syndicate for black and brown women. That is amazing. So tell me about what your thesis is for BLX. So for BLX, my thesis is I invest in women of color who are changing the world, particularly in social causes, healthcare, financial access, really women who are building things that will make our world a better place for our children. All of my co-founders were all mothers of girls. Yeah. And this is something we care deeply about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I have four kids. Three of them are girls. Mm. And it's definitely shaped the way that I look at the world and the way I look at the future because I want to change the future that they're going to grow into. I'm not not sure I'm a huge fan of where it's going right now. So it definitely being a parent can change that perspective. Where did you find your co-founders? We were all angel investing in another angel investing group. And it was generic for women. And we said, I'm black. My co-founders are Latinas. And we're like, you know, let's do something for us because we are innovating at rapid paces and not Mm -hmm. getting the capital. And like the problem is dire for women of color is less than 2% that um, we get of venture funding. And so we just wanted to have a targeted focus. And so my co-founders, like I said, we all started investing together and we've worked together and we both had our babies around the same time. So it was kind of this synergistic moment. Like you have to do more. Hey, it's Shauna here. I want to take a quick break from this amazing episode to send a free resource your way. Starting up is hard. Whether you're bootstrapping or you've got some funding behind you, you don't always know exactly where to start. I want to fix that. You head to startuprenegades.com right now. You can claim your free business benchmark blueprint. That's a mouthful. It's going to help you set a plan in place so you can create your foundation for growth. And it's free, so why not? Head to startuprenegades.com right now and grab yours. This probably happens like, I don't know, every year, every couple of years. There has been, to me, from what I see where I'm sitting as a founder, I see this seismic shift 
in VC in this past year with everything that is happening in our society. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing happening? Yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot going on depending on where you're sitting. So I think at kind of this larger macro perspective, like we're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs do down rounds and Mm -hmm. we see a lot of entrepreneurs folding because they're just running out of capital and they can't find enough to keep them going. Right. Not the funds have dried up exactly, right? We know certain founders are getting billions of dollars (laughs) for concept companies and those are usually like the white guys. But everybody else is really suffering and struggling in this economic downturn. Mm -hmm. We're debating if we're calling it a recession, but we know money's tight. Money is tight everywhere and belts are are being tightened. So that means you have consumers are spending less. So if you're in retail, packaged goods, anything (laughs) in those categories, it's really hard right now. And so we know that marginalized founders stay scrappy because they're used to not having a lot. So like the ones who can like push through are going to persevere, but you know, not everybody's going to be able to kind of make it or, you know, so. What does that mean for the down rounds though? I feel like there's not any less capital available, right? Like a lot of these funds have already been raised and it's up to the VCs to make those investments and distribute the money. Why do people have to do down rounds? Like why aren't VCs investing at the rate or the way that they were 12 months ago? Yeah, it's really about the valuation. So essentially most companies were overvalued. And so now there's this resetting happening and people aren't willing to pay the money they paid last year. Okay. They want a discount, <laughs> essentially. And so you see a lot of bridge rounds that are going on say, okay, we'll give you something. It won't be what we had, or you give us a discount, give us a better rate. Like people aren't willing to pay the same price. And because there's such a, maybe it's an illusion of scarcity of capital, but people are writing less checks. Yeah. And they're being more scrupulous with the money that they're giving out into who's, who's getting it. So. How is this impacting marginalized founders? Is it the same for them or is it different? Yeah, it's different because when, you know, marginalized founders are still seen as a riskier investment and VC is already risky. And then you put a marginalized yeah. founder in their team is even more riskier. So they're not getting these first checks. The checks are going to people we know, people who have um, been able to scale their companies fast, which is typically not a marginalized founder, takes them a little bit more time to scale their companies. Mm -hmm. We see marginalized, even our GPs, some of them haven't been able to close their rounds. You know, they had a strong start in 2020 and now things are drying up for them. And so it's really hard to prove out that we can do this right because we're essentially getting the rug pulled up from under our feet. (laughs) And it's really hard. It's insane to me (laughs) that marginalized founders are considered more of a risk. Like maybe it takes them a little longer, but statistically, don't all the numbers show that their companies usually go farther and get bigger and become more profitable? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how much research we have on diverse teams and diverse founders and diverse leaderships and diverse everything. (laughs) None of that matters. We're just going to fund the white guy that we already know. We're just going to fund the white guy because he went to the same school I did. And, you know, his dad and my dad played golf together. Like nepotism is so strong in VC. Mm. 
that people are just saved because they're familiar, really. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So where do we go from here? What should marginalized founders be doing differently? Or what can they do to get the funding that they truly deserve? Yeah, I think they'll have to have more than idea, which usually they do, right? But they're going to have to prove out their market, prove out their concepts, get as far as they can in building what they want, right? Or a vision Mm -hmm. of what they want. They're going to have to be, you know, realistic about valuations. And I think founders can always go up. Like you build value in your companies. Like you can continuously build more value, you know? So Mm -hmm. even if it's not what you think you deserve right now, like wait six months, like (laughs) keep building and build more value, create more value, be more creative, you know? And if things aren't working, pivot, pivot fast is, is kind of what I, what I say. (laughs) If you have something that's working in a down market, great. If you have something that can't bear this market, do something else. That's such great advice. Thank you for sharing that. I love it so much. And I think that there can be such a push or there's just such this mindset like to raise, like you have to raise now. And you're saying, well, maybe don't <laughs> like maybe spend that time building <laughs> and get more proof before you go to that next point. Yeah. I mean, doing fundraising is really difficult. And takes yeah. up a lot of a founder's time and energy. And if you can just pause for a second and get do other things, get your business together, do, you know, because it is also just very debilitating mentally, you know, for these founders. And it's like, mm-hmm. take care of yourself <laughs> and then come back. You know, things will be better. It, it will improve. Yeah, absolutely. So, over the next couple of months, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, I don't think valuations are going to blow up again. What are your predictions for what's coming next in the world of VC? Well, I mean, I think that we will have kind of a more mature, sophisticated group of investors that mm-hmm. have kind of seen how this recession plays out. You'll see, I mean, the crypto wave to me is, <laughs> I think crypto is going to become more realistic and like these fantasy projects are going to die. And like yeah. really infrastructure institution type of projects are going to get priority. I think people are going to reset their priorities and they're going to go back to focus on like really important things. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, just thinking about the world <laughs> that we we live in now and where people are struggling, it's not necessarily those times of plenty where we can work on not the passion projects because for a lot of people like infrastructure could be a passion project, but we do have some more immediate needs and right. maybe bigger problems to solve right now. The non-sexy stuff. Yes, absolutely. So what kind of founders, who would you like to be pitching you right now? What kind of ideas interest you? Gosh, I just love to pitch competition. And I was so inspired by a few things. I saw a founder who was building a low GI cookie, like people who are tackling the health crisis that we're in. Like we're Mm -hmm. in a major health crisis in America, at least around kind of diabetes, like preventable diseases. Mm-hmm. So I think that's super interesting to me. Mental health has become a big focus during the pandemic. So anything that's trying to mobilize mental health and that perspective, exciting to me. I am like 
a fintech person at heart. So anything around financial inclusion is exciting to me all the time about yeah. how people can create, build wealth, sustain themselves, creative ways that help people kind of live their daily lives. Mm-hmm. Those type of plays are, are always going to be exciting to me. I love it. All right. So the big, big question, what does being a startup renegade mean to you? Ooh. <laughs> it means that you have to believe. I mean, you have to believe in things that other people don't believe in. Like <laughs> you have to have that vision and foresight to exist and persist. I think it's really important. And to like advocate for yourself and what you're building in beautiful ways. And Keep pushing, like change is hard, but I think the renegades are just going to like stick it through <laughs> and persevere. Yeah, absolutely. Leisha, this was an amazing chat. Thank you so much for being here today. Where can people find you online? Yeah, LinkedIn is my jam. So it's literally my name, Leisha Bell, L-I-S-H-A, B as in boy, E-L-L. Um, be sure to follow me there. All right, we will do that. Thanks. Thank you so much that was this week's episode of startup renegades thank you so much for joining me and soaking up all that brilliant entrepreneurial knowledge from today's guest if you want to suggest a founder for a future episode or just want to connect you can find me on instagram at shauna.armitage that's s-h-a-u-n-a dot a-r-m-i-t-a-g-e and just a little reminder if you like what you heard today be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen it makes a huge difference and it's so important for helping the show thrive I'll be here same time next Tuesday for a raw, honest conversation with another startup renegade.